0: Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, and anything else pop culture. Today we'll be taking a look at Moon Knight's second episode, as well as our thoughts on the latest Doctor Strange trailer. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined today by my co-host and New Jersey's prime lobbyist for the return of candy cigarettes, Emmett.
1: I would look so cool chomping on a a cigarette candy. <laughs>
0: do you remember those from the i think they were more of a late 90s kind of thing
1: i was a fun dip guy
0: yeah i remember those from like the local little corner shops they'd have them at the we literally had like a classic cigarette shop in woodside like across the street from my school so (laughs) they would sell like the little spider-man candy cigarettes right next to the real marlboro boxes oh my goodness <laughs> I I can't imagine that in today's world, but I, I did like chewing on those cigarette sticks, though the candy ones, not the sure, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't I didn't live in that big of a ghetto neighborhood, although <laughs> maybe it's debatable. I don't really know. I kind of I might have, not sure. Candy anyway, was,
1: candy was pretty interesting when we were kids. I don't it really know was. what the scene looks like now, but it was literally just like, Pixie sticks and Fun Dip, and everything was just you're literally it wasn't even hiding it you're just eating a bag of
0: sugar yeah i feel like now <laughs> everybody's kind of afraid of sugar too right with good reason you know mind you but it's i don't know it, it was simpler times back then but at least it was kind of like out there in a little bit um everything was also super like mega or like big pack right cuz um i don't know if you had this too but like you'd get i i one time um Somebody brought to my attention the fact that if you buy a pack of Sour Kids from like a a deli today, the bag is at least half the size that it was back in the late 90s. I guess good for the American health, right?
1: Yeah, but bad for the American dollar.
0: And dentists. Exactly. Yeah. Who's looking out (laughs) for the dentist? Right? But anyway, we got a couple bits of news to kind of cover here. Um, I wanted to lead off with something that um, you know, we're mostly going to talk about the MCU today, but um I did need to bring this up because we're close to or we're edging close to the uh, premiere of what looks to be maybe the final fantastic beast movie. I'm entirely sure on it, but um Ezra Miller's in the news, uh, and it looks like he got arrested for um, assaulting a couple that was uh, performing karaoke. Which would make this the second time he does something similar to this. I don't know if you saw this, but like about a little over a year ago, there was some like leaked video of him choking this woman out um, also at a bar. And he also seemed intoxicated at that time, too. But uh, it just it kind of surprises me that that initial thing went like almost like unnoticed. And so now the same thing happens again. And it seems like there are actual consequences uh, coming out this time. And you hate to see, you know, the Joker acting like this. We talked about this man. That's Barry Keoghan, all right. It's not the same guy. Ezra Miller is the guy that plays The Flash. Barry Keoghan is the guy that was in Eternals.
1: I never saw Eternals.
0: We had a whole podcast about it. What <laughs> you mean?
1: <laughs> no, that's sad to hear that this uh, this guy's going through some uh, some mental issues
0: yeah it's it sounds rough and it looks like it's it's a shame because it looks like you know the flash movie apparently has been delayed indefinitely as a result and wb executives are trying to figure out what to do with ezra miller's future with the studio so um because they announced that it's delayed indefinitely i wouldn't be surprised if they now took a lot of his scenes and just reshot them with a new actor just recast the role completely um for for the flash how can you reshoot a couple scenes? He is the Flash. <laughs> no, I know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like at this point, because if if his future with the studio is being discussed and they're actually contemplating letting him go, they're not going to just release this thing like this. I think they are going to do... They're going to pull like a Rogue One where they'll just replace half the cast and get um, a brand new director on board and all that. It just it, it sounds like this movie's been a mess from the beginning. It's been in production hell for like six years so that just like adds further to it uh, you know not
1: to uh, downplay mental health or uh, physical altercations but you mentioned uh, the dumbledore series and it's like this it, they've been uh, you know recipients of some bad luck with their actors with john yeah like People in major roles. It's not like the sidekicks who you could just like kind of cut out. They've had to like recast so many times and this series has kind of been punished for it.
0: I think Warner Brothers in general has had an issue with uh with talent doing that too, right? Because I think uh even like Ben Affleck went through substance abuse issues. Um and that's why that's one of the reasons why he wasn't able to do uh the Batman and they had to scrap the story and create a brand new uh director and all that with uh, with the robert pattinson movie that we got recently but yeah it, it seems like a trend for the studio um as someone who's you know been involved in some projects to to some degree over there i i know a little bit of like how the inner workings of the company go or the studio go so i'm not too surprised about you know mismanagement and that kind of thing because but i got to feel like somebody like ezra miller you're kind of on top of the world right you're headlining a, a movie that's, you know, multimillions of dollars here.
1: Eternals, you're in the Batman.
0: Sure. <laughs> but, like, to what point does your agent just stand by and just let you commit these things over and over without somebody, you know, checking on you or, or making sure that you're fine or, you know. You know, I don't I even, know.
1: if we've learned anything over these past couple of weeks, you could be as big as, I don't know. Let's just let's say like a Will Smith level and you could you could do anything. And your publicist can't really stop you.
0: That's true, but I, I don't know. I guess to some degree, it, it's just I don't know. It's a shame, right? Because like something like the Flash, you know, it's it's already been this is what the, the sixth time it, it's gotten delayed, and to our knowledge, it's complete. They're done shooting. So so many people involved with this, and now basically everybody gets punished for this one guy's actions, right? Because delaying indefinitely, I, it just doesn't bode well for the for the movie.
1: I gotta be honest, I wasn't. That excited for this movie anyway. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: good. Scrap the whole thing. <laughs> just, get somebody you know, else in there. I'm sorry for everyone on the project. I hope your paychecks don't bounce, and uh we'll go ahead and just shelve this.
0: Yeah, we'll just uh, chalk it up to just another dceu catastrophe there. But moving on, <laughs> let's get into chipper news. I guess with the, uh, you know, the multiverse of madness. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, April seventh. Uh, the tickets for Multiverse of Madness went live yesterday, June uh, sixth. How you many know, tickets do used... you buy? Seventeen, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I kind no. of feel like you're not joking. <laughs> no, I, I honestly haven't gotten my tickets reserved yet. Whoa, no. I'm doing some traveling the next couple weeks. I don't know when I'll be in town, so I figure I don't you know wherever I am, I'm going to watch it. It just depends on what exactly I'm doing that weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. It's just, it's someone
1: like you. But with these tickets, they did drop a new like TV spot type of uh, short trailer. Some news, some new clips in there. Anything stick out to you?
0: Um, yeah. One of the top comments on IGN's post of the trailer, uh, Wanda's accent comes in and out. <laughs> and it, uh, it it does, right? But like, it's just it's just kind of funny because like I've never seen it pointed out here in like a comment section but um yeah i I, I think uh this movie seems like it's showing us the same like extended versions of what we've already seen it doesn't seem to be showing us too many new things which i'm excited about because i feel like it's leaving a lot more on you know undisclosed versus something like no way home which even no way home the level of stuff that they did show us they still had a couple surprises for us uh in the theater yeah
1: This feels like an extended version of the "What If" series.
0: No, I I think I think you're right. I just feel like it. The "What If" series maybe is like a soundboard for what they want to do for certain things to just kind of test the waters out. Um, I have to say though, I feel like to me, and and I don't know, I could be totally wrong about this, right? But I feel like maybe the Doctor Strange movies or the new Avengers movies. If you catch my drift, like this, Doctor Strange might be our anchor to the rest of the MCU. Like maybe this is where we're going to get that phase four start of like what the initial or what the next big Thanos level threat is going to be.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting that you say that because it does have me thinking that if like the villains and stuff that Doctor Strange has to go up against would be an Avengers level threat for the rest of the crew. But because he's like so much stronger than everyone else, they have to come up with these outlandish enemies that would take up an entire like a tr- a trilogy of movies for for everyone else
0: essentially. yeah. I mean, they had the same issue in the comics, too. That's why I feel like his world has kind of been a little bit separate from the mainline stuff. But you're right. I mean, he might be the connective t- the new connective tissue, I guess, until we get Avengers five at this point it would be five right because we had four so i don't know i'm sure avengers as a franchise will return it's just going to be a little while before we get that and this might be our holdover until then
1: and it's also a good way for like you to work in some other characters True. i I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more than just wanda that we've seen in the trailer
0: yeah, how many variants will we get? That's that's the other interesting thing. There's been a lot of rumors, like, from Tom Cruise to, like, multiple Fox X-Men. I've heard um, a Fantastic Four cameo here and there. Like, who knows what's actually going to show up, right? Because more often than not, too, like, these studios will shoot certain scenes, and then at some point it gets cut, right? Because you make a movie three times, you make it when you shoot it, when you edit it, and then finally when you get picture lock. So it, it's... a uh, who knows, but I, I do feel like this movie is going to be a little bit more amped up than what we got from No Way Home in terms of like cameos and surprises.
1: Yeah, it's definitely got better secret keeping to it.
0: Right. Well, the last bit of news. You want to take us to to, to our, our final news here?
1: Yeah, this was out. When we recorded our last episode, and this is probably going to be pretty old by the time this comes out, but uh, they moved the Obi-Wan series, what, two days or three days, I guess, from Wednesday to a Friday, and they're going to air two episodes at once. And I feel like everyone's reaction was kind of the same of like, you didn't have to drop two, it would have been fine if you just moved it two days, like, nobody really cared.
0: Yeah, I feel like it doesn't make too much of a difference. Although, like truth be told, I'm glad that two episodes are dropping. It gives us more stuff to consume. But no, everyone's happy about that part. But
1: it's also like I think you were negotiating against yourself here. Like you could have just moved it two days and then seen you know public uproar and then a week later be like, hey, uh, you know, what? we're gonna give you two episodes.
0: True, true.
1: But that also would have been like some
0: dangerous precedent to set. I still think it was a missed opportunity to release this on May 4th. Like, it would have been the perfect thing to to drop then.
1: I really wonder what's up with that. Because, yeah, this fit perfectly there. And then when they told us about the significance of the Wednesday they picked being the, what is it, uh, 50th anniversary of A New Hope or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think it was the 25th, right, originally?
1: Wasn't it in the
0: 70s? Yeah, but I mean, like, the, uh, it was May 25th, 1977, or something like that.
1: Okay, well, don't challenge my quick math here. But <laughs> regardless, the anniversary of, like, the first time we see Obi-Wan. So it's interesting that they, like, uh, that's the reason we picked that date. Uh, actually, we're not ready, so we're just going to move <laughs> the two days to a, an insignificant day.
0: You know what, I, I'm just thinking of too. We literally just finished talking about Doctor Strange, but I wonder if that's one of the reasons why they chose not to release it on May 4th because they, they didn't want to um, steal some of that thunder from Doctor Strange.
1: I guess, but it's also like it's one, it's two different crowds. I mean, most there's a lot of overlap there for sure, but it's also like one's a home TV show and one is. You have to go to the theaters for it's not like you're you're fighting for dollars if they are both released in theaters i totally get that
0: yeah but you're fighting for eyes too right like i feel like that's one of the big things now that's why like they put such a big deal as to oh look how many people are watching you know stranger things or whatever is like the big top show on the nielsen charts like they're they're still making the argument that like well if this new thing releases on this day you either stay home and you watch it or you go out to the theater to watch Doctor Strange. And so I feel like Disney as a company probably doesn't want to cannibalize itself. Although, oddly enough, I feel like they are anyway with with other projects. But these bigger tentpole stuff, I feel like they think it's going to draw more attention away from if they place those two franchises up against each other.
1: I guess. They probably have more experience than me, but I just feel like what, what are we talking about here? A total of like three-hour commitment and several days apart
0: yeah and also like nielsen and all that they they don't take into account individual days per se like that They're focus on is like how many people saw it within a given week right so like technically even if there is overlap you can make the argument that like i'll go see dr strange tonight but you know i'll sit down and watch obi-wan tomorrow or that kind yeah. of thing. who knows the D- D- disney plays you know they're they're fiddle the way they want to i guess i don't know
1: but that's enough news. Let's get into uh, talking about the show that we said we wouldn't talk about.
0: <laughs> hey, we said maybe. Maybe we <laughs> wouldn't talk about it. We said Are if we... it
1: got good. And uh, I guess us talking about it either means that we're totally out of content or it got good. So let's talk about it to find out. <laughs> <Yes. Stay laughs> Do you have any spoiler-free thoughts you want to
0: share? Yes. I can't believe we finally, finally Spoiler-free. Got... Oh, okay, my bad. Um, it was great to see J. Jonah Jameson again.
1: He just doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> At least it wasn't the Mephisto bit.
0: It wasn't. It wasn't Mephisto this time. See, I changed it a little bit. I thought this was a good continuation from last week. Uh, I don't think there was a significant, like either dip or increase in quality of the show. I think it's going on a really cool little path here. Um, I was very much more um, I was much more interested in this episode just because I feel like we got more of the Mark Spector personality Mm -hmm. Um, so that alone I feel like drew me a lot more to the show I think about five or six minutes into the episode I started feeling like this was a little bit more better paced than last week's not that last week suffered from any pacing issues I thought it was fine but this one kind of umped the ante a little bit and uh i what i what i'm loving about the show is the way that oscar isaac is portraying the character in terms of like each personality is very distinct
1: with his There's british not
0: accent <laughs> well we're getting more backstory as to why it's so comically bad right because like that's one of, that was one of the criticisms that a lot of people were, were uh you know lunging i guess at the show and initially my thought was like well yeah because he, he's not real like like this guy's a figment of his own imagination, but it also kind of has me question now. Given that we have a little bit more context and stuff, like I want it. it, it what's keeping me on the edge of my seat with the show is figuring out how they're going to play out this um, personality disorder with with Mark. Is is Mark the real guy? Is it Steven? Is it none of them? And like, there's something else at play here. Uh, this episode left me with a lot of questions that I. F- feel like I am actually interested in figuring out what the answers are.
1: Yeah, this one is definitely much more so like the magician revealing the trick uh, than the first one was. Now you're starting to see what this mysterious aspect is with Mark Spector, and, and you're starting to question what the relationship is between the two. Um, I definitely thought this—I don't know if this is on plane with what you are saying, but I think this was an uptick from the first episode— um, just because, like you said, the, the pacing is really nice. It's a good balance between characters interacting, advancing the plot. But there's also, like, good humor in this one, and there's still, like, in time for intense fight sequences. Um, but, you know, being the second episode, it does have the benefit of having that first episode handle all the setup. So I think, you know, this one's probably better because the first one had to be the first one through the wall, right? um however you know to me this genre is still and this character is still just like the mcu creation version of like the mummy series and i i just am having trouble latching on to caring in that aspect uh but obviously i'm still watching like on the day that it comes out and i think that's probably just because like i'm a glutton for marvel so they they win me over in that aspect but I don't know. There's something like I'm just, it's cool to watch and I want to hear, like, find out what happens. But I'm also like, not, if they stopped airing
0: it, I'd be fine. Yeah. I think, were this any other, not John Regis, but like any other tentpole thing, like if this was a DC project, it probably wouldn't catch your attention beyond the first episode. I think because it's Marvel, you're still kind of like, okay. I do I kind of see where they're going. Let me see a little bit more of it before I you know, kind of make my final judgment call on this. I feel like that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, they get a longer leash with me, I think, yeah. and and you're right about them taking a lot of cues from the mummy because it is it is starting shaping up that way. And I think the episode where we talked about um our podcast episode where we talked about you know prepping for Knight and just kind of some of our anticipation for it or lack of anticipation. <laughs> Um, I, I had said that, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't really see the mummy connection, but I do see it now. I do see those elements because it seems like this is more of a globetrotting show.
1: Um, it's like a, it's like a puzzle mystery Yeah, with, with mummies type, uh, of creatures fighting.
0: Right. Which is something I didn't think they would put for Moon Knight necessarily because the character, at least in the comics, it's it's very different. He's like a street level kind of hero, doesn't really have too much magic associated with him, besides the conju stuff. Um, and there's aspects that are very different that I feel like you know we we can get into in the spoiler section, but uh there there is a lot to this show that I feel like is very new and very intriguing to me, and I and I hope they continue it. Uh I'm just kinda a little bit um I'm a little concerned about them keeping this up because i feel like given that there's six episodes in this series um i'm always fearing the dud in each one of these you get what i mean like i feel like there's always that one episode where it's like all right let's take a breather and just kind of relax for for one week and the quality just kind of dips a little bit um yeah
1: i totally know what you're saying and i feel like at the pace that they're moving this could be done in four episodes So I definitely fear that there could be, like, two duds or, like, one, you know, dud like we always witness, but then one that's, like, just pretty slow.
0: Right, right. Like, WandaVision, I think, is kind of the opposite on it in where it was very slow the first two or three episodes. But if you got through that, you know, it really ramped up and things started moving really quickly. And they were also shorter episodes. That's true. That is true. And and it was longer, too. So I guess to kind of have the little bit of privilege of having to being able to kind of map that out a little better.
1: I think if you want me to, like, sit down and you want to try and capture my attention, I think you have to go at least 45 minutes for these shows. Like the WandaVision stuff was like the first two were, what, 30 minute episodes plus like with five minutes of credits, like. And I know what they were doing. They were doing, like, a, an old-fashioned sitcom, and that made sense for, like, that experiment that they were going for. But it really wasn't enough to do one per week and be like, have we caught your attention yet? It's like, no, you gave me 25 minutes. like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you need to give me more time on this stuff.
1: Yeah, like, it's, it's all about the balancing act, and I think that's what this episode did. Is that it balanced out, you know, moving the plot forward, introducing characters, you know, telling background story and history, but then also giving you time for a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's uh, we're dancing around it. Let's move into the spoiler section. Uh, so if you haven't seen it from whenever this, you know, aired several weeks ago, <laughs> it's on you <laughs> at this point. Uh, but let's talk about the specific characters, scenes or plots and thoughts.
0: Yeah, I, I gotta say, it's still off the you know, right off the bat, Oscar Isaac I think is a perfect choice for this character <laughs> now. Um, I see that now, yeah. Because right, he he he's he plays those personalities very distinctly and very different. Um, and I I feel like I can't help but feel, not pity I guess, but like enamored a little bit with 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 the Steven uh personality that I'm almost kind of like rooting for him whereas initially I was like I don't want to see the steven personality just give me the Mark specter personality uh but now I kind of see where that rift kind of starts with them and and you know the very big distinctions between the two characters um it, it's it's a very interesting thing to see being played out and I, and I think that um from the little moments of them having conversations with one another to their interaction with within the mirrors uh, that they have uh down to the way that they fight or i guess some in the suit so to speak right um it's very different and they each kind of do it with their own flair and it was a very interesting way to introduce the very different aspects of the character that we've seen in the comics before
1: you're right. He does he plays like the victim and the bully simultaneously really well. And I think it was this episode too, where I'm like, I'm rooting for the Steven character because I feel like you know, he wants to see the bully win, but then you can see like, okay, maybe there's more to mark. and he's he's kind of like being forced into the, like into the service for Kanchu and he's like he he just wants to like see his wife, you know not be become the next victim. So, there's definitely like elements in both of the characters that um that you're rooting for and it it's a really tough thing to try and pull off
0: i almost get a sense too from the performance that oscar isaac gives off that i don't know what is real and what isn't right because like and i'm glad that they're kind of introducing this um or introducing Moon Knight in this way because the same, it's the same thing in the comics. You don't, you never know who is the real personality and who is the fake one. Uh, with Moon Knight, but with this, I question some things. Like, I know, like, uh, the Steven character has been calling his mom constantly, which then it gets brought up to the forefront that apparently Mark Specter is in bad terms with his mom. So, like, who is ha- who has he been calling and who, like, what's the deal with that dynamic there? Um, it's just I don't like th- there's a lot of mystery to you know who who's who and, and and what's going on that it it intrigues me. I hope they handle it well, uh, but it's you know it's it's one of the things that keeps bringing me back, or will probably keep bringing me back in the coming weeks with it if they continue to do it at this rate.
1: Yeah, that was a great detail to to call out because also in that same conversation or in that same scene. You also get this, like, interaction between Stephen and uh, Mark's wife where she starts picking up, like, poetry books or history books or, like, cryptex language books. And it's all of interest to her. And he's been using that as, like, his what to read to stay awake. So it's like, oh, he didn't, you know, randomly pick this. It was embedded in his subconscious that, like, I should read up on this stuff.
0: Right. I always kind of get the sense too that maybe Mark's wife is actually dead and that's not like what you're seeing her, of her, I guess, is just a big figment of, or being made up, I guess, in his, in his, uh, subconscious.
1: Hmm, that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, a little, I, I w- a beautiful mind moment.
0: <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like, I feel like the, I would have put it past them to do it. Cause I feel like, like you said, they, they're pulling elements in for the mummy. Um, and the director for this series has been very open about him having uh, pitched this idea to Marvel in a very, very different way than some of the stuff that they've done typically. So, I mean, it, this would be the place to put a twist like that. As long as they use it well.
1: I think, yeah, those those types of big reveals are always fun to, to catch because then it's like, well, if I go back and rewatch it, I can start to see, like, Oh, nobody else interacted with her except um, the Ethan Hawke character did talk
0: to her. That's true. That is true. But then again, he—it's almost like he has some familiarity with Contra. Well, that's almost—he does have familiarity with Contra, but um, maybe he's able to pick up on stuff that Mark and Steve can also see that others can't.
1: Yeah, maybe. Cause he also has a second God speaking through him.
0: Yeah. Crocodile face lady.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, we should have written these names down, but uh, <laughs> he's doing a great job with this role too. I would say.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really enjoying him as a villain. I feel like uh, he, he, he does. He plays those roles actually pretty well. And most of the stuff that he's uh, portrayed a villain in. Boyhood. Was that a <laughs> real villain? <laughs> Kinda, wasn't he? Was he the he was the abusive stepfather, wasn't he?
1: No, he was a absentee actual father.
0: Oh, okay. So it's in the way. Aren't all absentee fathers villains?
1: Well, I can't speak to everyone's situation, Ivan. But if you want (laughs) to write in and you know, let Ivan know that he's wrong, go ahead.
0: All the absentee fathers (laughs) please
1: hit me up. up. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh no, he's. I he does. Uh, he does a pretty good bad guy, and I don't think he really had a chance in the first episode. But I think he does. I mean, he got a, a whole monologue in this episode, and he has that switch that he can flip from being uh, Steven's friend to Mark's enemy immediately.
0: And it's interesting to see the character layered in with. Uh... You know all the stuff that he, the backstory that we're given of him in this episode. A lot of it obviously wasn't shown. It's a lot of like, uh, you know, exposition in terms of telling you what uh, what's gone on with him. But I was surprised to have him be revealed as like, a, I guess, a former Moon Knight.
1: Yeah. So is that the same town as the first episode, just at night? I would assume so. I don't. But it's hard. Wasn't to that tell. supposed to be like super far away? Like, because Stephen lives in downtown London. Right. It
0: looks similar, but then again, like I'm, I'm like I've I've never been to Europe, so I have no idea. Like I see cobblestones and all that. And I'm like, oh, some European town somewhere.
1: <laughs> I would think that because if we're sticking with it's Doctor Doom's land. Wasn't that like in Austria or something?
0: Um, Latveria, I think, is supposed to be somewhere where real world Lithuania would be, so it would be quite a bit away from from London. England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting that they were able to get there pretty quickly, but uh, I think that that whole I, I that was my probably my favorite scene was that interaction between. Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke in in this episode.
0: Yeah, I think the dynamic is really well, really well done. Um, I like the introduction of uh, you know Mark Spector's wife showing up, and us finally getting some some answers for it, but then also like throwing a lot of questions into the mix here.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like now we know the direction that they want to go in. They want to use this beetle to as a compass to go to whatever that person a new, uh tomb or something like that right like and that's where we start to get too much like the mummy it's like okay now we're gonna go resurrect a god who wants to like basically pull a thanos and just destroy half of humanity
0: yeah uh, uh on it or uh, omit something like that <laughs> we really should Emmet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we we get introduced to um What's her name? Uh, Layla, um, I forgot her last name, honestly. <laughs> and Stitch. Fowley or something like that. Um, but she, I, I think, uh, she's got a lot of backstory too. So apparently, they've been chasing this, uh, beetle thing together, her and Mark, for a number of years, I guess. Um, so is she, she's she's well aware of the Moon Knight, um, suit and persona and that kind of thing. So. The fact that she's unaware that uh, Stephen is a legitimate, you know, part of Mark, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess she just knew Mark as this aloof guy who would just like disappear at times, uh, which is pretty interesting that like they could keep their lives hidden that well. Um, right. But she does. Do, she does have a really powerful scene where she's like yelling at him to put the suit on and Mark's yelling at him from the mirror. And he's like clearly having a panic attack. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to call you Steven. Like, I don't know if you, if someone told you that they were like somebody else, you would continue calling them Mark, right? Like you wouldn't bet like bend and give in and call them Steven. Uh, cause you would think they were crazy, but like she figured out how to like communicate to him, Uh, pretty, pretty smart there.
0: Yeah. So they do have some backstory. I I wonder, though, like, did she she know him from his days as a mercenary, as we found out he might have been or was uh, on this show? or Yeah,
1: it's not clear.
0: Right? Like, I I wonder how long they've been married and what's been going on with that dynamic, because I imagine for some time, right? Because I don't think um, Kanju using her as leverage against uh, Mark makes a lot of sense if he... I guess like married her recently or kind of out of a whim kind of thing
1: so it is interesting that you bring up like uh your perspective and also like from the comic perspective of not knowing which personality is the real one because to me not knowing anything about that stuff just watching this show I'm like Steven's always been there and then Conchu created this like or merged somebody's name Mark into this body because he keeps saying like you promised me the the idiot would never take back in charge or or whatever he says there, you know. So I always think that like Mark is the uh, intruder.
0: Yeah, that's always been the the suspicion in the comics too, because it's like it goes from. I, I if if I remember correctly, because I feel like there's been a lot of lore established with uh, with Moon Knight, but if memory serves right, I believe it's either it's it's always down to is it steven or is it mark but the way that i see it on the show is i think steven was built almost as a response to whatever happened with konshu and 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 mark like i feel like he's the he's basically mark specter's conscience right like i feel like that's his good side
1: Yeah, it's tough to pinpoint, because then the Ethan Hawke character was also a servant of Khonshu, but clearly made it out. So, was he, like, a split personality as well, and now it's just whichever one remained?
0: Well, remember, he mentions that Khonshu is able to take control of somebody who's, I guess, not willing, but, like, uh, easier to take control of, so... It's kind of easy to see then the how he then <laughs> found himself in the control uh, or under the control of yet another god there. um, I assume he's some sort of like wrongdoer, right? because that's kind of maybe how Mark was kind of found because if Mark was an actual mercenary, then I would assume that that's how uh Conchure just kind of went and bartered with him. Like sin, sin like yeah. bartering with the sinner kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think that could make sense. And then it would also make sense that this other god who's like looking to keep the scales balanced would also take over um, a previous Kanchu employee. Yeah.
0: I was interested to see the cult aspects of, uh, you know, Ethan Hawke's character a bit because... Uh, it almost seemed kind of chill, (laughs) you know, taking the cult aspect out of it. Right. Like it's like a multinational kind of like every all-inclusive kind of group. And they all seem to like be very collaborative and, and, you know, cool. And just kind of vibing with one another. But then there's that angle where they're all like into a cult that doesn't mind murdering people for stuff that they haven't committed yet.
1: If somebody offers you Kool-Aid, Ivan, you probably shouldn't drink it, okay? You seem like the type of guy who would.
0: I mean, if it's Kool-Aid jammers,
1: <laughs> you know, like... If it's a Capri Sun, I'm
0: all in. You gotta buy me three Capri Suns at least. Like, that that's my thats my price, man. Or one Kool-Aid jammer, to be honest with you. <laughs> you ever have those, by the way? The, the ones where you twist the little plastic cup off and you just, like...
1: Was that the wax bottle? Yeah. Yeah, 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 those were amazing.
0: I love those, and I love those little barrels that we used to get at the. Oh yeah, yeah, stores. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> getting off topic.
1: That's another pod. Uh, no, I agree. This is like a utopian, you know, very peaceful. Everyone's here, uh, coming together, trying to live a good, clean life. Um, but you're right. It is because they've been selected as. Uh, you're you wouldn't do something wrong in the future, but you have to kill someone who would.
0: The little debate that they had uh, between Stephen and and uh, and Ethan Hawke's character, we really should have written these names down. Um, not important. Not important. Not, not important here. What's <laughs> funny though is like I I read um I read in this article that Ethan Hawke's character actually was a very minor like one issue comic character that now has his role expanded in this show. So just just FYI, this is one of the reasons why the name isn't so relevant, right? Yeah, um, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, no, but, but that I, that,
1: I, that, com- that debate or like that yeah conversation between them
0: that was really really to me I thought was uh, not only some a debate that you know has been kind of raised a little bit comically before, right? Like we, I think Deadpool cracked a joke about you know, baby Hitler and, like, what you would do if you were in that situation, that kind of thing, but...
1: And Rhodey with baby Thanos.
0: That, too, yeah. But I was... I kind of thought about it for a bit, and I'm like, you know, his logic, when he describes it as, like, when, you know, when you have, like, an ailed limb, like, you sever it, it's it's a brutal, but it works. It made sense, and at the same time, it's also the most grotesque thing, you know, to kind of, like used to justify what they're doing in that argument because the question was basically like what about a kid like is a kid culpable for something that they haven't done is it justified to murder a kid? And He's basically like yeah
1: well this isn't new to the mcu right so this just there's two perspectives on this uh one like the falcon uh and winter soldier series like empathizing with the enemy of carly Morgenthau, like you know, they're they're doing wrong, but for good reasons, uh, and I'm empathizing with them, and I can see where they're coming from, and I don't hate the villain. And then the other perspective is, like, the, but, like, but you would still take them out. And then the other perspective is, like, the far from, or the no way home approach with uh, Peter Parker, who's, like, just because they were destined to do something wrong doesn't mean we can't try and, you know, fix them before that happens. Uh, and, and they're just two approaches. So it's either like you either empathize, empathize with it, the the plan of Ethan Hawke to be like, yeah, I mean, you, I believe in destiny and nothing's going to change. And if I can stop you, then I can stop that destiny from happening. Or you take the Peter Parker approach of like, well... You're destined to do something wrong, but maybe I can intervene and and help out so that it doesn't have to
0: go that way, and you can still live. Right. Arthur Harrow is the name of the character. Why did you look? <laughs> I needed to. We don't do was,
1: facts here, okay? It's all, you know, conjecture.
0: It was starting to bother me because I'm like, all right, I need, I, I, <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying Ethan Hawk. <laughs> I, I am. I'm probably am too, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought I thought it wasn't that whole conversation the dialogue is written so well on this show that i feel like that's one of the reasons also as to why i think the second episode worked really well um because sometimes you know like we've seen multiple mcu projects at this point and some of the dialogue can sometimes be a little bit corny cheesy or kind of like a little bit too on the nose kind of thing um but then you get these moments and i think especially with the show you get these pointed moments where some of the dialogue seems to be very, uh, kind of like heavy, but at the same time, you know, kind of balancing itself within that tone really well. And this is one of those examples.
1: I would like, uh, and it probably isn't their place to have to do this, but I like when these shows, you know, take a stance on something bigger in the world, right? So, like, looking at Falcon, like, taking on, you know, racism and, you know, inequalities and, you know, the poor suffering. I I like if you bring that to the forefront, because there's so many people that don't think about these issues and they just like will consume Marvel or DC type movies and shows. And it's like, that's a way into understanding that there's bigger issues out there. And the kind of the same idea was there with no way home as well. uh, With like the Willem Dafoe character and the Aunt May aspect. So I, I hope this isn't just a show about like, Resurrecting a mummy or something like that, you know. what I mean,
0: right. I mean, I I hope they do get into the mental health issue as well a little bit here because obviously you have the, like the perfect prime character for it. Um, I because they made a to...
1: joke about that, like yeah. Oh, you can go get help with doctors, and it's like you didn't have to turn it into a punchline.
0: Yeah, they did. They I noticed that in the first episode. Uh when well, in, in
1: this episode too. specifically, when they're they're firing him, they're like, "We have to give you this pamphlet because we think uh, we think you're a fit for it," and then they like make it a joke about it.
0: Yeah, but I, I think the way that it was layered into was also kind of like uh, not too tongue in cheek. I guess it, it was more so like it, it's so outlandishly exaggerated the way that it was done that you almost kind of have to point at it in a way.
1: Um but it's also that he's like so pathetic that like almost anything he says is a joke.
0: So right. like, it's really
1: hard cuz like he's out there talking to like this street performing mannequin guy. Right. Like, that's his only friend.
0: <laughs> I, I I think you're right on this too. The thing is like I feel like it has to be a, a good delicate little balance act that they do here because right there's so many people that also start saying like oh keep politics out keep whatever or like there's that whole like hot button of like wokeism right like what is woke what isn't i i do think that depending on how the messaging comes across it always depends and the mcu has been relatively good about doing it in certain ways and then then others they really drop the ball
1: sure falcon was also pretty intense too i won't yeah like it wasn't like they also like Drove it home every single episode, which was almost, I don't want to say too much because that sounds insensitive, but it, at the core, these are action hero stuff. It's just like, you got to find, like you're saying, like find a way to sprinkle it in organically.
0: I think it's like the way that you come across in terms of the story, right? Because, like, think about Star Wars, like the original trilogy and all that was like a very anti fascist movie. Like, you talked to George Lucas, and that's clearly his his his, uh, his outline there right like mm-hmm. there was that controversial interview where he's talked about how you know the rebels are always looked at as terrorists and it's like yeah in 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 modern times too like we would maybe take a look at those more radical people as that but we never talk about what the point is of it right or like why things are shaping up in that way or his comparison to like american imperialism being the empire but you never like it made you think like those are those original movies made you think about imperialism and all that but it never put it two and two together and forced you to say like hey by the way you know nudge nudge wink wink we're talking about the u.s here or we're talking about this or that right and i think that nowadays i feel like most shows don't do don't tell um those themes that way they literally try and make you understand by hitting you on the nose with the same theme over and over until you get it and i feel like sometimes that's a big turnoff for feet for people so
1: that is true it's a really hard line to walk there because you're right like if you don't like express it at all you end up with star wars where it's like it was there but you took a george lucas interview for it to be understood or you have like the falcon winter soldier where it's like we're gonna we're going to create characters just so that they can tell you what's going on uh in these episodes
0: right and and i think they, they there's so many ways to show that progression too like i think one of the most cool or beautiful aspects of like some of the more modern movies like i can think back at like that batman moment where we see at the end of the at the end of the um the movie where he's beating up that criminal and he repeats the the line that he kept saying throughout the I'm vengeance line that he kept saying to himself mm-hmm. throughout the entire film and he stops and realizes that oh my god I'm having a negative impact here yeah. so like that that's a great way for you to like you know kind of walk the audience to the point of the film too which is basically like yeah you want to be a symbol but you got to be careful of the symbol that you are you know right? that that's the perfect way I think to go about it and I think the MCU has done A pretty moderate job of doing that at times and then at other times they kind of completely ignore it so yeah you're right i hope they do eventually kind of get to that with moon knight before we get our sixth and final episode here like i wouldn't want that last episode to actually finally get to the point and you know it's kind of like that's all we get for the for the last half hour of the series
1: (laughs) i could see them putting it off till the end though
0: i mean i can too but i just hope it, it doesn't happen that way uh, let's talk about the action scenes real quick, because I feel like yeah. we, we had quite a few in this sh- in this episode.
1: Yeah, uh, I can only think of the one at the end. Was there something earlier?
0: Uh, well, I guess I'm thinking about it in different contexts. Of Like, I'm thinking of the, um, the fight between Steven and, and the Jackal. I'm thinking about Moon Knight versus the Jackal, and I'm thinking about the little, um, encounter with, um, uh, with uh, Arthur and his and his crew versus uh, or Ethan character, e- Ethan character, <laughs> Ethan Hawke's character uh, with uh, Moon Knight and and or sorry Stephen and and um and Layla, uh,
1: that was which a is lot basically of names
0: I know. One time,
1: <laughs> let's <laughs> take this one at a time. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? <laughs>
0: let's talk about. um I guess we could talk about the the first uh, kind of encounter with uh with Mark and. Stephen and Layla versus uh, uh, Arthur's little cult there. Because that's where the action starts, right? You could technically say it's one big action piece, but I kind of like to look at it as three different sections there.
1: Yeah, so it's Mark's pretty, or uh, Steven's pretty useless, and he's got, seems like he's got a pretty good handle on having control over, like, not giving up his body to Mark, which is a dramatic change from the first episode, and what we can assume was has been his life for a very long time. Uh, So I guess just being aware that there was a second, that there's another person gives him more power and more authority to stay in control.
0: I think so too. It just kind of amplified his resistance.
1: Uh, So it's, it's mostly Layla handling the fighting there, which was cool to see. I mean... It's one of those things where it's like you're completely surrounded, but somehow you got away. Uh, one of those like hard to buy ins like, wait, you were just downstairs and now you're upstairs. Wait, when did that happen?
0: Right. Yeah. It's, it, that's what also kind of leads me to think that theory I mentioned earlier. But anyway. That,
1: she, that she's not there.
0: That she's actually the not there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, but
1: everyone reacted when she said,
0: I have the beetle over here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But maybe he said, "I have the beetle." Like it, it could be one of those things where you look look back in time and he like declared that he had it, and she didn't. Yeah.
0: I'm waiting for that zinger moment at the end. I feel like something something along these lines. I feel like maybe she's happen. his mom. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, if you're allowed to put something out there,
1: I can too. All right. Yeah, fine. yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's right. Possible. The fight possible. continues in the uh, in the attic that the the, the hound. Has been released, and not Sandor Clegane.
0: No, not Sandor Clegane. Different hound. Officially.
1: Wait till the uh, mountain shows up. Which one was Sandor?
0: Uh, the hound.
1: What was the other Clegane?
0: Uh, Gregor. Gregor. Yeah.
1: Grega. Right. Okay. So then they continue the fight to the attic, and that's that. Uh, that was the scene that we were talking about earlier that I really liked. That she's uh, able to like. Calm him down and then look for a solution out. Uh, but which I could also see as like, like you're hinting at here, where there maybe there's a second or that she's not there and like it's all just him talking himself down or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm int- I was interested to kind of see the um, confirmation, I guess, that this suit is actually being summoned magically, whereas in the comics it's a costume that he makes himself.
1: Um. But that there was a weird line in there and I can't place where when it was said, but she like Layla said, I was worried that you didn't have the suit with you. Oh, which doesn't make any sense if he's just summoning it.
0: True. Interesting. I, did, well, I didn't catch that.
1: Yeah. And I was like, wait, it just came out of nowhere. Why were you worried that he wouldn't have it? So either um, she knows that Stevenson control, or maybe like she she thought he lost the powers.
0: That might be it. That might be like oh well, she, you know, since Steven is driving ship here, maybe he doesn't have access. But to
1: she this. just learned about Steven this episode, so like maybe it maybe it was more like Mark. She was worried Mark lost the powers with Conchu.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: But either way, so they get out of there, and then Mark turns on the suit, but it's a different type of suit. Or not Mark, Stephen.
0: Stephen, yeah. So I guess his idea, that that's his idea of a suit, right? So it's a fancy dress-up suit. It's a pretty good-looking suit. Yeah. This is the uh, the Mr. Knight persona from the comics, which is oh. a separate persona. But I guess in this show, it's kind of blending in with, with Stephen's persona.
1: But, I mean, if somebody told me put on the suit, like, that's kind of what I would imagine, too. Like, nice little three-piece <laughs> Tom Ford
0: very expensive looking suit that he just tosses that um jacket down jack the jacket away
1: <laughs> and then yeah. rolls up the sleeves come on man
0: well i was i was interested to see the perspective of like the passerby here right the 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 folks on the bus i believe or um yeah i think it was the folks on the bus that saw some of the fight um yes yeah,
1: so the jackal that explains like the the security tape that they saw earlier, like I thought, oh, maybe somebody wiped the security tape, but then we're still seeing all the Steven slash Mark bits. Uh, so I guess just magical Egyptian powers are not visible to everyone else.
0: I guess it's only to the f- visible to the person that is being chased or is being hounded by the the demon or the thing, right? Because I oh, that's I thought the only explanation. Like
1: in touch with Kanchu.
0: It could be, but because also like, um, they are, the, the folks are able to see it right when Layla throws sand at the, at the beast and you get some sort of visibility or she throws something at him. And and... she
1: didn't throw sand. It was a liquor bottle. Okay. There you go. But But people could glass is made of sand. So I see where you're coming from. Okay.
0: I'm thinking Egypt right now because of the ending (laughs) scene.
1: (laughs) I bet that does come up in the, in the Egyptian fight that's going to be coming up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I did like the the effort, I guess, that Steven put in there with the Mr. Knight costume. Where he just threw one big punch and he was very proud of himself in that moment. Yeah, he had a good super,
1: Superman punch. Uh, yeah. But then he does give up to, to Mark and then Mark handles it easily.
0: With the proper Moon Knight suit.
1: And like the detachable uh, waxing moons on his chest.
0: Yeah, that's uh, very convenient.
1: Instead and then, of having uh, utility built. And then they have that that spat in the mirror at the end there, which I really like, too, because it's, like, whoever, they, they said it, whoever's in the, like, active in the body is in the driver's seat. And then he was like, I'm not going to be giving it up now.
0: Yeah, and we get the confirmation that... Uh, or revelation, maybe, that uh, Khonshu, the leverage that Khonshu has on Mark is his wife. Right. And, you know, Khonshu is a very petty, um, very cruel, I guess, and somewhat sadistic Egyptian god. Hey, he's justice. He is justice, but apparently not the blind justice that we're used to. <laughs> but it...
1: it... That's what is interesting about this show is, like, you have to pick a side. And it's like, would you rather let the bad things happen and then punish the people who did the bad stuff? Or would you, if you knew for certain that someone was going to do something bad, would you take them out before it? And it's like, it is really hard to say, like, I would pick one side. Like, is there not, like, some sort of middle ground that these Egyptian gods can agree on? (laughs) Right.
0: Well... An interesting little thing that I I thought was kind of something worth noting. Back in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you had that scene about Project Insight, which was also this. Right. I've been thinking a lot about that with this show. Yeah. The newscaster in Cairo that was mentioned by uh, Sitwell right before he gets thrown off the building when he's getting interrogated by Black Widow, Captain America and Falcon. Yeah. That was a direct reference
1: to Moon Knight. I heard about that, and I didn't see how the line was connected, but now I'm getting it.
0: Yeah, there was multiple characters. I mean, like, Doctor Strange was referenced in that movie, which predated the movie years, right. you know?
1: Yeah, and then there was, like, a Midwest teacher, a teacher in the Midwest or something like
0: that. The Valedictorian, apparently, yeah, we'll be seeing in, um, in the She-Hulk series, so... You know, we'll we'll be seeing some more of these. But I'm glad I'm kind of happy that they're going back and like they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we kind of teased this a while back. So this is finally when we're getting to this character. But no, it was interesting because we had Project Insight, which was literally the same kind of, I guess, mission that this. Uh, yeah. Called God is, is trying to accomplish also.
1: His name is Ethan Hawk.
0: Yes. But his master is a crocodile-faced lady. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's that was that's a great parallel because yeah, I had I had been thinking about that while watching it, but uh, forgot to bring it up here. But yeah, that's exactly what they're going for, and it it brings up the same question of, you know, being proactive or reactive, and nobody seems to think that there's a middle ground, right? Except for Peter Parker,
0: who. We must always root for because he's right.
1: He's my hero. I would never forget.
0: (laughs) Who's who's Peter Parker? I don't know who that guy is anymore.
1: That's because you're part of the spell. I was in the rewrite that got to remember.
0: (laughs) You're like, I was in Morbius, okay? I remember
1: everything. (laughs) Never saw it. I'm loving those ads that say, the number one movie in the country. It's like, no, didn't this get like a 12 on Rotten Tomatoes?
0: (laughs) I mean, when nothing else is coming out in theaters, it's not that hard to be number one.
1: It's like when The Rock claims, like, we've been number one for ten weeks in a row, but they, like, (laughs) drop movies when nothing else is out.
0: Well, yeah, because no other movie wanted to release (laughs) during a pandemic. (laughs) The Rock. The Rack. All right. uh, Anything else on this episode, or? No, I think that about wraps up my thoughts. I mean, you know, chances are we'll probably, you know, reconnect on this. periodically here and there but you know i i like where it's going i hope it continues to sp- the pace and i'm looking forward to more
1: yeah it's it's interesting enough to hang in there uh where you want to find out you know which one's the real person in the body how did this happen what's going to happen with the gods so there's enough storylines here to be interested um it's just is the genre for you or not that's kind of all that all it comes down to
0: so, I think, I think, um, before we wrap up, I don't oh, think yeah. we're going to be able to give our final thoughts on this show, given our timelines of things um, but we probably will revisit it at some point in the future once we do our next rankings um yeah, I think we'll probably talk about episode three and four before or so, or some of them at least, but just f y i you know we'll get we'll get back to moon Knight at some point
1: <laughs> we'll we'll moon Knight it
0: yes all right well with that in mind
1: uh let's go ahead and wrap it up here if you think we missed anything on episode two feel free to hit us up on twitter at bt fourth wall otherwise
0: thanks thanks for for listening